Coca, su naray, su naray en ti. 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 Hello, hi, welcome to this new episode of the Mango TV podcast. Today I'm very excited to have Ben Delonen. Benjamin Delonen studied audiovisual media and communication in the Netherlands, where he graduated with honors from his master's in his documentary Ibogaine, Rite of Passage, a film that remains an important reference on the subject matter. Benjamin has been dedicated to indigenous master plans, the indigenous community, and the challenge that come with the globalization of these practices since then. In 2009, he founded the International Center for Ethnobotanical Education, Research and Service, ICEERS, a charitable non-profit organization with United Nations consultative status, where he serves as executive director. Benjamin is the author of several publications and films, has presented at conference all around the world, and has participated in various leadership roles, including as a member of the board of director of the Global Ibogaine Therapist Alliance. Thank you for being here. Welcome. Thank you. So, how did it all start? <laughs> <laughs> Your passion for, uh, for, for this magical plant and wanting to help them, preserve them, protect them, uh, facilitate the usage, facilitate the education. One, what was the cathartic moment? Um, I mean, I have the story that I always thought was really behind this, and then there's the one I started to discover along the way. So I'll maybe start with the official one that I always, uh, you know, thought uh, looking back at my life. In uh, 2001, I became a film student in Holland, and I just read a, a little article about uh, Iboga, Ibogaine, and um, it said that, you know, it has a great potential for the treatment of addiction, uh, but that it's not recognized, it's stigmatized, and um, not the pharmaceutical industry is not interested. And um, that it comes from a tradition in, in Gabon of rites of passage. Um, if that was true, then you know, it looked to me like a good subject matter for my final exam project. And so I started to research, got heavily involved in the community, met Howard Lotsoff, who had discovered its anti-additive properties, and he opened the door to centers, experts, and I really started meeting everyone. Um, you know, so uh, I then really ma made the film. Uh, it took me all over the world. It took me to Gabon as well, where I for the first time saw an indigenous community, you know, doing a rite of passage with Iboga, which was really an incredible experience. The Buiti. The Buiti, exactly. Um, the incredible thing there was that for one person who needed an initiation, the whole community came together for five days to sustain that person through yeah. the process. Yeah, we had Bruce Perry that, that uh, told that story. Yeah. And they all try basically hold him up in the air because he couldn't touch the ground yeah. right yeah no it was i was there as a, a filming you know but uh, at the same time you know i was really there and, and it really you know touched me and since the beginning at that time because there were these two completely opposite worlds one was a medical subculture of highly stigmatized and you know discriminated people um, you know, far away from their families, often completely broken, no self-love, who then, you know, were helping to, you know, heal each other. Um, 
very often just alone on a bed going through the experience and then going home and trying to manage to stay clean and to get their life on, on track. You know, the, the other world was an indigenous world or a traditional world of the Bantu people. Um, and, you know, it was a collective process. It was something completely different. So at that time, I felt I, w- I was kind of internally wondering, like, where is the really boga or, or what is like, what is the important piece here? Um, and kind of trying to navigate these both worlds. Um, so Iboga really connected me to these two completely different worlds and I was kind of figuring out how do they connect. Um, so that, w- that was very important. Um, I made the film, I graduated, still worked for like five years as a professional film and, doc- and documentary and television editor. But my heart was really with Iboga. No? And the more I presented my film, the more I kind of really, you know, became a, an educator about the subject. Uh, the more I felt like I needed to abandon, you know, my my film career and and go for iboga. So you also you also tried the medicine? No, I, no. I just saw people going through the processes wow. and saw the incredible transformation it generated. Then, then really, what was a key part is that in two thousand six. Um, you know, a friend of mine came to a presentation I did uh, with my film. He already knew the film, so I was surprised he, he came to uh, the presentation. And he left me a book about ayahuasca. And on the front page it said, f- um, you know, uh, for your journey inside. And uh, when I arrived home, I had an invitation to go to a ceremony with a Colombian taita. So at that point, when you got the book, you still hadn't, didn't tr- you still hadn't no. tried Iboga? No. Oh well. No, this was uh, in 2006, and so I thought, you know, this this is it. Let's do it. Uh, I was very scared, you know. I was kind of, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen, and then uh, I ended up going, and it became like an incredible, the most incredible um, lesson in surrender, surrender to life, you no, know, to my my fears, like kind of breaking through my fears. Uh, you know, every time as resistance was coming up, it was like, but, you know, letting go. And then as I let go, this most incredible feeling and openness to life, you know. And so the next morning I called my mother and uh, I, I told her, like, you know, I just did this ceremony and this is the most incredible thing that I've experienced. And, um, you know, like, if, uh, I need to do something with this. And at that moment, it was clear to me that I needed to start a nonprofit organization that fo- you know really was dedicated to these plans. Uh, can I ask you? Um, mm. I, I can't get off my head. You made a movie about Iboga. Yeah. But then you preferred to do ayahuasca instead. I didn't prefer. It came on my path. That's the way it happened. When uh, you were in Gabon, there was no opportunity. No, because I was filming an initiation. Yeah. Like you can't do yeah. both things. And you just surrendered. And, and you know, and I I I spoke for you know, during five years, showing my film everywhere, talking about Ibogaine, but it was very much focused on Ibogaine and addiction. And then, um, you know, I started to basically, you know, look at ways to get into this. And I started to develop ICERS and the organization, still editing, making a living from the editing, but it, it started to conflict more and more. But I was afraid to make the jump in the swimming pool uh, because I didn't know how to swim. You know, I didn't know how to lead a nonprofit organization. I didn't have money. I didn't know how to fundraise. But my heart really, you know, it felt really I need to do that. 
And that's when in 2009, I went to um, an Ibogaine uh, conference in Mexico. And some people in the community said, you know, maybe now it's time for you to try it yourself and, uh, you know, have an experience. And so I, I agreed. And uh, after the conference, you know, it was a bit of a difficult moment because I just heard for three days about adverse events and heart issues and all of these, you know, safety and and then going to do it myself. So it was, uh, you know, a bit scary in after three days of hearing that to then go into it. And it was a very hard experience, you know, and like really for the first 12 hours, which was kind of all, all these kind of idea, visions, cognitive things that came through. I, you know, I went through a lot of fear. Um, and um, after these, these 12 um, hours, I thought like, what a horrible substance is this? You know, this didn't do anything except for creating suffering, um, you know, uh, I just basically didn't feel it do anything constructive with me, but I just suffered basically for 12 hours tr trying to make sense of all of these images and uh, concepts and things that came came up. Then, But then what I didn't know is that very differently from ayahuasca, then with the boga, uh, this whole other phase opened, which is the, the kind of the second, the, in the, uh, the integration phase, but it's not like an integration after an experience, it's part of the experience. And that's when all of these concepts started to integrate and make sense and get kind of an emotional connection because it was very disconnected from emotion the experience itself a lot of fear but no you know kind of um, you know holding i felt very alone left alone in the experience and so after the next 12 hours or so um that's when i was like wow this is the most incredible thing <laughs> you know i just and you know some of the things it did to me one was i was convinced i never wanted to have children you know i already had my child i sears and uh, you know this was my path and there was no space for a child and then i realized i didn't want to lose the opportunity to have a father child experience because it was a lot about that um, and then i didn't get a child immediately but now now i have a, have a child and then the other thing was it immediately was clear i need to jump in the pool and one month later, I left Amsterdam where I was living, uh, you know, doing the editing and and I basically uh, ended up in Barcelona by coincidence. Uh, and then, you know, started the like working full time for ICERS. Um In the beginning, you know, there was no funding and then I started learning. It was, it was a beginning of like a really big learning journey, the journey that's still ongoing, you know, today. And um, so I just want to make sure I understand correctly. Um, the Iboga gave you this message that you don't you don't want children, but then you thought that. Uh, no, I I always thought before that, the kind of my life path didn't have space for children, like you know, and that changed in the Iboga experience because Iboga showed you that this resistance was just a resistance to your relationship with your father, that was just a superficial blockage that yeah it it pointed towards really you know my relationship with my father yeah. and kind of in general yeah. our relationship with our parents so you went behind others. that fear yeah even though like after the experience still for like two months and a half i tried to figure out who i was uh, it was very hard the integration and you know i i definitely after that you know changed the way i saw things as well because it, you know i saw the delicacy of this as well and uh, I'm seeing this now, you know, when people come in and they're like, we're going to build a big company, we're going to set up, you know, f 50 centers in a few years. That's not how it works at all. 
you know it it is delicate and it needs to like to really work with in a responsible way is complicated with, with yeah. this with these master plans yeah yeah that that's that's one of the takeaways i got from it and the other side like there's an enormous you know enormous potential that these plans hold and and you know if we work in the right way with it but so let's let's i want to like unpack that a little bit because uh-huh. it's interesting so so can you elaborate why do you think that when people come this entrepreneur they want to open 50 center of plant medicine why do you think that there is almost a hidden agenda right how how can you not so much in a hidden agenda i think more it's like people don't realize you know the really the complexity of you know these processes and and you know the language right now around the kind of the revolution in mental health and, and psychedelics is very much based on a logic that you know you ingest a substance that's gonna induce an experience and then you're gonna feel better and change your life and it's gonna have a, a huge therapeutic impact. Instead? You know, and that, that and that's really kind of the where then a business model is built on. Um, you know, instead this is not about an experience, this is about a process. And, you know, and these experiences, um, you know, can throw you into a process and those processes can be really disruptive and they need to properly be held. So, you know, the focus is so much on the experience itself. You know, you take this, you have this experience, and then, wow, you know, my yeah, PTSD. It's the Western medicine approach. It's very much like, a, yeah, this this quick, short-term thinking. Um, but, you know, the the thing is that they kick off a process that, you know, if you take the right, if you, you know, respond in the wrong way to the teachings, because maybe you didn't really, you know, understand them in the right way, or you you know didn't know how to sustain what hap- what just happened to you what you experienced then it can completely derail you as well uh, in a you know in a very challenging uh, path and and you need to sustain afterwards yeah. you know it's it's a bit like like labor yeah. you yeah. want a midwife yeah. but not only the labor is not only during the experience it's it's afterwards and the deeper the process, the the more you might need, you know, midwifing. Yeah, with the with the difference that midwifing have existed forever, and there is more knowledge. Whereas, like this Western shaman that speaks a Western psychoanalytical language, they're just starting to be formed now. Mm-hmm. So it's not only it's a process and it's delicate, but th- the right. Um, you know, I drank ayahuasca for years in the in the in the in the Colombian uh, Cosmovision, which was beautiful, of Father Sun and Mother Moon. But you know, nobody really was able to integrate my experience with my psychological history of childhood trauma and and, and abandonment and 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 disempowerment and 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 a little bit. It, it, it worked with Gabor when he, he partnered with the shaman in, in Yelapa, in Mexico. But then, you know, what I'm trying to say is that not just is not easy, but it's also difficult to find the skillful people that, yeah. that, can, that can, you know, that can uncover the subconscious. You know, it's, it's not conscious to you. <laughs> yeah. Imagine to someone else. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, and there's, I mean, there's a lot to un- unpack yeah. in that, no? Um, over the years, you know, with, through ICERS, the way we have worked is really, in the beginning, you know, very much responding to what came to us. 
you know, like a, a legal case. You know, we need help. We got a ceremony raided, like imagine. And, uh, you know, can you help us? And then we would, you know, get involved, mobilize knowledge to, br you know, bring some sense and, and justice to these type of uh, human rights violations. Um, you know, and, that, and then, then people started to know that we were doing this and we got more requests. The other piece was we got more and more people asking us for help after experiences. And in 2013, we had, a, you know, Mark Ashala, who's um, we just now finished a, a book on integration, which I highly recommend. Um, and, you know, he, we basically, you know, got him on board. He started to uh, help people. And so we learned a lot about where things go wrong, um, you know, kind of when people suffer, um, you know, lack of preparation, you know, the, the way experiences our health, all of the, the parts afterwards. And so, you know, we got a pretty good idea about, you know, what is kind of the underbelly belly of, of this world. Um, and then, you know, from everything we learned kind of dealing at the front lines, we was coming up with the needs of these communities. And obviously, you know, we're, we're in a cultural context that needs to learn really how to, you know, handle these plants and these practices. Um, so then we started to look at how can we proactively kind of engage to, um, you know, foster ethics, safety, um, you know, um, sustainability, like right relationship. Um, because, you know, again, th this thing of these two worlds, the indigenous world and then you know, kind of uh, our our men, our kind of modern mentality. Like so, you know, there's what what I started to do, and this is how I see the last twenty years is really navigate a lot of contradiction. Um, you know, and 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 examine a lot of kind of also the my own underlying assumptions and blind spots uh, of you know, kind of a, the, how I at the beginning really s saw the potential of these plans. You know, the the theory of change for me in the beginning was really like, wow, these these plant substances can induce these incredible experiences and, and provide healing. And what's in the way is um, basically prejudice. And that leads to, you know, a drug policy system of prohibition that doesn't get it and st starts to, tries to repress, um, you know, stigma, uh, you know, bad press, and, uh, you know, all of these type of things. And then kind of as I start learning more, there was also something about, wow, we actually have a community it needs to come together, become accountable, uh, you know, elevate the ethics and safety of the practices. You know, that, that's kind of what I started to see. Um, and then kind of, a, you know, and then it became more like navigating, like a lot of things, ways to talk about these plants and, and working with them in, in our world don't actually make any sense to people, indigenous spiritual leaders. And then, you know, I, I had to learn kind of why is that? and was kind of all of all it's like the way i see it now plant medicine really are the nexus of different ways of life of different ontologies of different worldviews and it, it actually brings them all together and where they clash or you know create tension that's where i think the real opportunity for for um learning lies um more more than just saying like right, we need to make this available to millions of people that that logic makes sense for psychedelics you know, MDMA, so forth, that, that makes more sense because there's no cultural history. It, it, it kind of, you know, is a substance that can, you know, s help people, um, help people, you know, cope with their lives in a, in a, in a better way, in a more whole way. Um, but, you know, you, 
I, I really, for the last four years in particular, really have started to see, I, w I was very blind to the high sophistication of these traditional systems, understanding of healing, understanding of life, um, and, and some of the, the issues actually on the, of the underlying assumptions of biomedicine. Um, you know, I've become highly skeptic of now, and I think it's actually r wrong to, um, you know, take traditional plants and then integrate them in a biomedical framework. Because these are very opposing systems in terms of how they understand health and healing. Okay, so this is interesting. I just would like to stay, maybe let's stay with the chronology of IC years and mm -hmm. maybe we can see if we can, uh, you know, intertwine with your personal evolution. So IC years 1.0 was responding to the demand. So this plant was still illegal, so people were asking for legal help. So you coordinated yeah. with lawyer and 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 start lobbying with the judge and helping. You, you created a defense fund. Then you had people reaching out um, because they were not um, supported properly for the integration. They were, didn't have the ontological tool to integrate these new teachings. So that was ICR 1.0. Yeah, and uh, as well as we. Um, you know, Ed, Jose Carlos Boso came on board. He he's a he's a pioneer in terms who, of who wrote the book. No, this is our scientific director. He's been a pioneer. Actually, the you know conducted with maps the first ever MDMA and PTSD study uh, for women who you know with sexual abuse uh, in Madrid, and and that was then politically blocked at some point, which was uh, you know incredible that that happened. And and so he was part of a research team in Barcelona with Jordi Riba, who's done many years of um, you know, kind of academic research into safety and uh, you know therapeutic potential of ayahuasca. So he came on board, um, and we started to be involved, or we were involved pretty early on in in research as well. You no, know, it was like we need evidence, and we need to make that also practically available in court cases or in advocacy, you know, policy work. Uh, so we did that. We had um, uh, Oscar Pares, who worked, uh, you know, with the Catalan health authorities in harm reduction and, um, you know, the kind of regulation model for the cannabis social clubs, which is a very interesting model and uh, which I think is very relevant today. Um, you know, so he came on board. We we engaged with the the health authorities. Did a conference on ibogaine actually in 2010 at at the health ministry in in Catalonia. Um, you know, so that that's kind of but we we were advancing our knowledge through research. We were making it available, you know, to stop this wave of arrests that, that really started in 2010, um, and and we were kind of responding, you know, to the to the um, the community. Then at some point, kind of in 2014, we really saw that we needed to organize a conference on ayahuasca and and bring the drug policy and ayahuasca community together. Because there, the arrests were going up. There was a lot of human rights violations, and th and that was kind of you know, and this that was here in Ibiza. Uh, I re I remember. Yeah, that that was a a real kind of turning point for us. You know, we got we got for the first time also people really behind us. They saw the work that we were doing. Um, you know, and and that really helped us also kind of expand our team and and get experts on board in, in different areas. You know, Constanza Sanchez got on board. She's a expert in international policy, UN, you know, law. Um, you know, so kind of all of all of these things happened ar around that time. Um, yeah, that, that was quite an experience here, here in uh, Ibiza. Um, and then, 
you know things kind of evolved we uh, we ended up um you know bringing uh, the the conference to uh, rio branco um you know to it's kind of the home of the ayahuasca churches and a lot of indigenous peoples that that was a hard conference you know six days um which year was that 2016 2016 yeah that that, that was very uh, very hard um because there I, was the colonization um, yeah and, and energies you know like and we like how do you bring a dialogue like our goal was to bring the the international dialogue around you know the globalization to that type of more traditional context where there's a very long history you know there's about 100 years of um uh, history for santo daime you know kind of these churches have existed since then and then you know kind of to a, a context will of indigenous peoples like how do you bring a dialogue there uh connecting you know about the the globalization and so um, it was there was a lot of kind of conflict coming up and and tension and you know we we navigated the way we we could and i definitely learned a lot it was a maybe till that the, the biggest learning experience because the local felt threatened they felt like you know already like, you came 500 years uh, ago well like, well that's that's part of it there was also kind of conflict among communities there that came up um you know which which was difficult and then and then also kind of when you don't really know a terrain very well you make mistakes as well no it's kind of uh, the, the the codes the way you organize things the relationships you know so a lot came out of it let's say you know it's uh that, that yeah that, that that was definitely an experience that made me grow uh, and and understand the complexity of this um it's kind of the you know it's kind of the clash between worlds you know in all all of the the tensions and how things are understood um that that was kind of that beginning and and from there on like 2017 um that's when we started to build kind of deeper alliances with in indigenous leaders one organization is called umiak the union of indigenous yakhe medics of the colombian amazon um you know and i started to learn a lot like really a lot like what what this is about for indigenous people um you know, it's and I, I kind of got a glimpse of that in the beginning when I went with the Taita that gave me my first cup of of Yahé to to his territory in 2007. You know, I saw that their territories were, you know, glyphosate was sprayed just like a month before I arrived there on top of the village, kind of for coca er eradication, uh, on the Maloka, you know, which was abandoned. And I mean, when they sprayed it, there were kids playing. Uh, you know that just happened rivers with oil contamination uh, from the extraction and violence i met like children who just had lost their both parents from the violence and you know i realized and i could really start learning much more when we engaged with with uh, umiak about that that is what yahe ayahuasca and indigenous spirituality is about it's about the territory in first place um you know the protection and and kind of the the spiritual protection of the um, the territory by maintaining it aligned with the order of nature and the territory is not something that is separate from the community or from the individuals or from the ancestry or from the knowledge or from the cultural identity it's all one it's all one integrated kind of body and they you know they work to harmonize protect heal um you know those you know, their communities that's really what it's about um yeah and this is it's very well said 
maybe maybe I'm gonna try to repeat it because um, it, it is so important. So you're saying that this particular tribe in 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 Ecuador, you know, for them the 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 ayahuasca was like a, a way to integrate all these different concepts of land, territory, belonging, community, ancestry, very localized in the most harmonious way. Yeah, exactly. And this is needed to be protected. That, that's, yeah. you know, the kind of violence in Strong. response to violence. Yeah. You know, it's really this about the spirituality. So spirituality and, and the ayahuasca yahe and, the, you know, these traditional plants are the, the pillars, the keystone medicines for indigenous spirituality and and the, they are the the frontline defense of the territories and the indigenous way of life you know and and therefore like the leaders in these communities are spiritual leaders um, they're not political leaders it's political not, leaders not are accountable yeah. and work you know and th this is in 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 kind of um, communities that have maintained their way of life there's a lot of communities that were so fractured that they you know they were moved displaced moved to cities you know and, and there was a lot lost uh, you know in those contexts so th they say that when an indigenous community loses its territory when it's displaced it's the loss of their identity like slowly that's really the degeneration and the loss of the indigenous identity um, because it's kind of losing you know the 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 pillar or the fundament of who you are yeah like an animal in the ecosystem yeah, and it's but it's like you know the territory is really wh where everything is rooted in, integrated in. Um, so when it's kind of ripping your head of your body, you know you're not grounded. Like you, you know you can't live like that. It's you become confused. Um, you know, and, and so I, I we we spend hours on Zoom. You know, with the the people, and for me the beautiful thing about that relationship was that you know we were approached um because they wanted to learn more about how to become autonomous like an autonomous organization getting support from the international community you know because uh, as you know like right now most of the funding and focus is on biomedicalization of psychedelics and kind of plant medicine even like ceremonial uses are kind of a bit on the side um and and even like the criminalization of of ceremonial practices going up it's increased a lot over the last two, two years uh, while biomedicalization is happening you know so and then kind of where is the support to you know the indigenous people it's you know practically non-existent in the in the psychedelic space so they really reached like how can we do that from all of your experience with ICRs and I had to learn it from scratch you know jumping in the pool you know, so I was sharing all of that, and I'm not a big expert in fundraising. We're a small organization, we're always with a limited budget. You know, struggling to get the, to the end of the year. But what I learned, we were sharing, and it, you know, it was helping them strengthen as an organization. We became like really close allies, and they were in return really explaining what this was about. And you have to imagine, like you have on the other side of the of the Zoom, people who then have like spiritual leaders being killed, violence threats you know extraction in their community like th these are people with very urgent needs you know it's not like oh let's do something beautiful together and we talk you know again next next week or next month these are people with needs for survival and and so it was really like there was this tension always between the you know the urgent needs and then what are we building together 
um, you know, so during the during the um, Zoom calls, I start to learn a lot about the way they think that what Yahé is, what spirituality is, the territory, all of these things. Um, you know, we were kind of strengthening each other by by sharing. But sorry, but they were under threat by the oil company and the chemical company, yeah, um, extract, the extraction ex industry. The, the armed conflict, even though there were peace accords, is ongoing. Um, yeah, like it's there's so many interests because they're like living on oil and you know minerals and all of these things. The, the coca, you know, cocaine in industry basically with the cartels, like it's all kind of happening in those regions, you know, so, um, the, you know, then we did some some kind of really concrete actions together. Um, one was going to the United Nations because we have United Nations consultative status. We have the, the, the capability of opening the door for voices to be elevated there. So we went to the human rights bodies in Geneva uh, when Colombia, the Colombian government was being examined, um, you know, in terms of how they were doing for on human rights. And you know b the leaders of Umiak were managed to get recommendations in that were adopted, but then the question is like, does the Colombian government really do anything with it or, or not? Um, I think now there's more hope that that's possible than with the the previous uh, leadership. Um, and then 2019 was a big moment for us because uh, we organized uh, our last conference in Girona here in Spain. And that was really, it felt to me really like a coming together. You know, the title was a bit, uh, um, the inner search for a better world. And our, our kind of the message we tried to convey to the audience was that, you know, because ayahuasca is very often really thought about this like personal individual health and well-being and how I can become a better person. You know, that's really how people approach it, very, you know, and, and how it got famous. Uh, and it was like, okay, but... This is also about community. It's about you know, like pers person, community, and territory, and the, you know, and the the environment. And so we uh, invited people who were the, you know working in Amazon defense and you know community, uh, all kinds of people that came together. And so much came out, and it felt a bit like we are coming together as one very diverse community, but really for the same purpose, and that is collective. It's not just like me. Um, and you know we had we had uh, an indigenous autonomous space. We also learned from some of the the things we we didn't do in the in the right way in in um, um, in Brazil. Um, you know that that really was was important. And then right after we went finally to you know Colombia with Umiak to visit territories, and that's when I really started to have experiences that you know that changed my life in ways that you know all of the past uh, hadn't gotten to. Um, that that was kind of um, the summer of 2019. Things really started to change for me, and in the meantime, we had learned so much from all of the work and you know being involved with so many communities, you know from drug policy like UN, you know government all the way down to like the grassroots and uh, you know from the indigenous world to the psychedelic space, uh, being in in kind of a liminal space between worlds and learning really about all of them and the, and the inconsistencies and then always trying, you know, this is really embedded in the commitments of, of ICERS is like challenging, you know, the, the way things are, the status quo and always starting to think, you know, ahead of the curve and, and foresee when challenges can become harm uh, and how to, it's kind of a collective midwiving, you know, one of the other things I really start seeing is 
that it's not so much about the substance it's about the relationships you know uh, the the plants and the process of globalization brings worlds together and it's about weaving a tapestry of knowledge and, and collective impact and and that's really what, what i feel we've been kind of midwiving i have to i have to add also one, one thing i haven't mentioned that one of the, um, you know, through the, the legal defense and seeing the things that were going wrong, um, you know, about six years ago, you know, this actually started here in, in Ibiza, you were in the, in, the, in the conversation. We started to think about how can we more proactively, you know, in, engage or see processes where the community comes together, um, builds trust, builds alliance, holds each other accountable, learn from each other's mistakes, from each other's knowledge, and kind of build a path of, of self-regulation. Uh, it was a Dandelion project. Yeah, exactly. This is what Jeronimo Masarasa, was yeah. also here in, in Ibiza, has been leading. Um, and this has been really about, it's kind of a bit of a pollen, pollinator uh, process, you know, engaging with the community, the, you know, and, and kind of they start to see the value of why we need to get together because these are stigmatized communities. And because they're stigmatized, they can't really come together openly. They can't really learn. You know, it's when like cultural practices are new and, and we don't really know well how to hold them. If you then keep people isolated, there's no learning process and actually kind of a natural way of learning how to you know co constructively uh, integrate them. And so we started to see these type of processes and, and accompany people and, and that's really has been a bit of a movement that's that's building. And we kind of and we learned we asked some of the um, you know I did interviews with some of these other movements like the Chinese medicine practitioners in California who all recognized if this is not properly handled, it's dangerous. Um, but there's a great potential. You know, people should have the right to, you know, um, practice. And then let's, and what if we come together and we self-regulate, we, we decide on what ethics we uphold on how, you know, what are kind of our, our minimum safety standards and, and so forth. And we learn and we ask those collective, what would you do differently if you would go back to the beginning? So we learned from their mistakes as well. And then, you know, there's been this weaving of, of a, a web of um, kind of like a hybrid community, as Bill Melton, an American um, change maker, says, local communities, you know, they're rooted in local community because every culture and, and local context is different. You know, they come together, they they kind of get on the same page with all of their di respecting diversity because ayahuasca has very diverse practices and plant medicine in general. Um, and they they start working together uh, towards kind of a, a co common a common uh, vision for the future, collective strategies, and then kind of rooted in those organized communities, you start to implement more like harm reduction strategies, um, things like uh, you know how how to like a support net for people who fall through and actually have problems after ceremony. You know that that's one thing. Um, you know, and this is what now we have a course for, and so it's kind of building really, instead of just kind of putting structures in place that control, it's about really sustaining the grassroots. These are you know more grassroots uh, movements, which I think are lacking also in the in the current um, kind of psychedelics um, movement. And there, there's some of it building now, but um, yeah, we we've been kind of working on this for six years. Yeah, yeah. No, this is very interesting. 
But so do you mind expanding a little bit on, um, you were saying that, you know, the clash of the two worlds and the biomedicalization of this plant might not be the, the exact model to use this plant. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Um, yeah, it's, you know, this is going into the weeds, uh, a bit of, of kind of, um, you know, the, the indigenous worldviews and, and how these systems work. Yeah, but those are interesting, <laughs> those yeah. weeds. Yeah, 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 these are interesting ones. Um, because just to say, you know, like, you know, Mango TV listener, they know a little bit more about this plant, but the common people, if you ask billions of people, the only thing they know about psychedelic is that you're going to be able to be covered by the insurance, you're going to be able yeah. to do it in a clinical setting. They don't know anything else. Yeah. So it's important. And, and you know, do, don't get me wrong, you know, this is not about like cri um, criticizing, criticizing the, the psychedelic biomedicalization because, uh, you know, I think if it's properly implemented and there's still a, a way to go, um, but there's kind of good people really thinking and figuring out how to do that, um, it's going to alleviate suffering of many, many people. But, you know, calling it a revolution of in mental health, that's not what it is to me. Okay. It is a revolution in psychiatry, more. maybe because uh, psychiatry hasn't had you know any you know new medications and approaches for the last fifty years. So it, I mean, it's definitely a disruption of the psychiatric space, and it is gonna alleviate the suffering of many people. You know, so that that's fantastic, and that's really important at these times when the meaning of life is kind of collapsing. You know, as we have all of these crises. And and our, even the future of life is uncertain in, in to us. No, there's a lot of fear, and people are lost and suffering. So that, that's really now coming in place in this moment. But the revolution in mental health really lies in how we understand health. And I've seen in the indigenous world a completely different understanding of health and life itself. Um, and so, still biomedicalization is very much in the sphere of sick care not in the realm of health care um you know first of all it understands health as an individual issue and even like your mind is separate from your body you know you, you go to like different specialists and doctors and and kind of more for like mechanical mechanical things that's really great you know like open heart surgery incredible like there's an incredible sophistication in the allopathic medicine um but kind of for chronic diseases for mental health diseases it's all symptom reduction no? and we we know that that's why we are looking for root cause healing but I don't believe that psychedelics in that context can ca cause root cause healing. Um, they can definitely peel off layers and, and, you know, and give people freedom, and, but there's a limitation to that. And that's because of the very underlying assumptions uh, of the field. It thinks of symptoms as uh, bad, as something wrong. There is something broken in you, there's something wrong. Your life is going wrong and we need to fix you. And there are substances that are going to help you fix what you have. You know, that that's the that's the framing. That you know, and, and that's that's not at all the way you know healing works in, in the indigenous world. And you know, the the way first of all the, the systems there are based on ontologies of on worldviews where 
as I said, the, the individual, the community, and the territory, and the world are one. They, have, they, they come, they're different materializations of the same underlying, let's call it energetic or spiritual uh, architecture. Um, you know, that, and, and so those systems are focused on that underlying energetic and spiritual architecture. Um, and if you don't see those layers, it's impossible to diagnose what's going on. You know, so we start to make sense of symptoms, um, but the, we look, we do it through a lens that is these incredible blinds, you know, blinders around it. You know, we only see matter. Um, you know, and am I in? And I'm kind of op- oversimplifying a bit, no? But um, because we also think about transgenerational transgen- trauma and epigenetics and all of that knowledge is really incredible. Um, but you know, it's it's still very kind of in the physical space. You know, you have kind of these things in your body and 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 uh, so we we try to do a di- diagnostics only of a very partial view of the whole. Um, you know, kind of uh, dimension of who you are. Yeah, yeah. It's not in a holistic system. It's very exactly. specific about it's depression. Not, it's not integral. PTSD, it's not integral. Yeah. You are one, then there's a community, yeah. there's a, you know, there's environment, and yeah. we have a ministry of public or mental or health, you know, and then you have mental health in there. We have a ministry of environment. Somewhere else, other funders, other organizations yeah. trying to diagnose and figure out what to do about it. There's then public health completely separate that to indigenous peoples is a complete fracture of our understanding of health and life you know so it's the it's the way the, the systems are designed that's what we have to look at and you know these are fractured systems so they, they are actually a reflection in the world is a reflection of our fractured ontology our, our fracture understanding of of the world of life and of, of health and so um, you know I, I really started to learn way more about these systems when I start working with, um, you know, in, in, in the Shipibo, with Shipibo healing, uh, you know, first only with ayahuasca and then dietas, and then with other systems and, you know, spiritual leaders. And, you know, kind of in, in, in those systems, um, you know, Shipibo system is a very much of a surgery system, I, you know, I call it this kind of energetic surgery. And, and the, the fascinating thing is that the... Um, the healers are not actually doing the surgery. They're just conduits for the master plans that they have dieted, that they are in relationship with, in a collaborative relationship. It's like a medical team. You have your anesthesiologist, you have your you know nurse, your specialist. They're kind of all together there. But these are plants and kind of plant spirits, you know, as they co- they say, um, working together with the healer. You know, gu- guiding and on, on diagnosing, seeing what's going on, and then working um, you know through them. And then in kind of the dieta is establishing a direct relationship to the, you know, the patient, um, you know, to, to heal and teach. Um, so when I started to embark on that journey, uh, that completely shifted my life. Um, you know, and um, so the, what they say or see is that we have an energetic body. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not an expert. I'm not a trained healer or anything. I just can speak from my own experience and going through this. But we have an energetic body, and that is kind of built of our uh, ideas, of our views of ourselves, of who we are, our fears, our judgments, 
kind of all of these negative um, emotions and, and, and thoughts. Um, and, you know, we, we kind of integrate them in who we are and, and that actually fractures us. So when something really traumatic happens to you, um, you know, and you, you kind of can't give that a meaning, this was not supposed to happen, it hurt and there's something wrong you know that when you think that or you think there's something wrong with you you automatically think there's something wrong with life you know because that that's just you know you can't separate both no something that happened to me in life that was not supposed to happen so life is wrong life is not the way it's, it's supposed to be so when that happens you start to kind of fracture pieces of your ontology which becomes less holistic it becomes less integral you kind of isolate more and more uh, and you you know you have these ideas about yourself and so these are really at the core of your energetic body these are kind of like blockages energetic blockages in your energetic body they they kind of root in the beginning it's a fear of wrong it's like oh no there there's is there something wrong about my life oh no this happened and it becomes like a deep knowing of wrong yeah. you know life is wrong this is not supposed to be i can't trust life i can't embrace life yeah. i'm afraid of it uh, you know, I feel threatened. Yeah. You become isolated, more and more isolated from, you know, the yeah. the, the world, from, from life itself. Yeah, no? yeah. Gabor, Bec- Gabor calls them um, spiritual injury. Exactly, like, like spiritual injury. Neu- injury. Neuro- mm. Neurological injury. Yeah. That usually is, as- for Gabor, is associated to the loss of authenticity mm-hmm. and internalizing of unworthiness. So it's like a little yeah. injury in your, in your neurology. Yeah, and th- and so there's kind of that really becomes starts growing as a seed and rooting in your energetic body, yeah. and then if you don't take those seeds out, uh, they, they root very strongly and they grow and they become physical, no? Like, yeah. um, so like, like 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 what happened with the cartilage? Like you know, I twist I twist my ankle, and you know what? So the body built this hard cartilage around it to like protect it. Mm-hmm. And I feel that this spiritual injury, then they grow because subconsciously they put you in situation that reinforce that belief. Mm-hmm. So you go into the dest- destructive relationship and you you're end up recreating that injury. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's very well said. Yeah. yeah. So if you're not enough, but you know, these are all kind of, uh, with, with like with trauma, you know the event, you know, it's kind of, pretty clear where injury sometimes, happens sometimes sometimes but but the, you know often it's kind of very unconscious and uh, yeah. you yeah, know they the, call it sot- subtle yeah. trauma it's like yeah. are like uh, disempowering views that yes. come because we uh, you know think yes. something that happened in our life was not supposed to be and so there's something wrong with me yeah also when when, when your parents get distracted mm-hmm. rather than just saying oh they were busy you think they don't love me yeah. i'm not lovable Exactly. Well, and and so I discovered that you know actually I started at ICERS. I mean, this whole path because uh, I would, I convinced myself twenty years before that I I was a, a fuck up. <laughs> uh, you know, and and so this whole road was a road of compensation. You know, it's like a, if I if I'm actually a fuck up, I'm gonna then show that I'm not a fuck up because I don't I can't believe because I don't want to accept that you know there's something wrong about life i want to trust it but actually deep down you don't um you know so kind of what the the healers do is that the symptoms actually uh, are are pointing 
to what's going on under, underneath and what needs to be with the injuries in your ontology, the fractures in your ontology. And then and there's tap roots. But now the 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 fascinating thing to me is that they are all kind of connected to the tap roots that go back in our ancestry. So very often explaining this is what what I've learned, explaining what happens to someone, um only l- looking at the current life um versus like our life and then our parents' life and our grandparents' life and then all the way back um you know in our bloodline. If you don't take into account that perspective, you might not be able to explain at all why somebody is depressed or why somebody is uh, uh struggling. Bi- so so I think there's there's an issue also with this f- focus on looking at oh there must be a trauma in your life because um you know the I mean there's always disempowering views and things that happen which are diff- you didn't fully integrate in in your life but the way you what you tell yourself about what happened uh in your life uh, already is pre determined kind of by the the lens you see life through and that lens comes from the ancestral imprint in your energetic body and so when when a child is born it carries you know parts of the imprint it kind of sustains uh imp- unresolved uh, issues from the the ancestry in their imprint and as they grow it becomes stronger and that's why sometimes you know things a- appear uh, mental health issues struggles physical you know three generations of cancer and then we're kind of looking at you know where does all of that come from what did you do in your life but maybe that's really coming from the ancestry and now why is that important because uh it is what what I've come to believe um you know through that that whole experience is that it is our role like our real job here is to you know take on uh, and we can't avoid it you know the unresolved uh, struggles um you know from our ancestry and make them whole again kind of we are born already with a fractured um you know f- physical uh, like um energetic body and we want to put it together because that's the way kind of you know the ancestry unites and that's how we are weaving back together our fractured world view so when somebody is depressed you can't see you know where where it's kind of coming from and then you're you're kind of you know is there a, like a physical imbalance and we talk about major depression we talk about all kinds of you know labels of of uh, mental health in those systems there's no labels there are only names for kind of the types of of energies uh you know that that ca- kind of in the energetic body that are that are causing these um these life struggles do you remember the name of those energies no i mean there's a, it's a whole world that that's a conversation to have with the uh, traditional healers um you know but uh, but there's no concept of labeling and um you know kind of i think that when you when you label or you are saying you're coming into a system that says there is something wrong with you we need to fix you that maybe it's not recognizing that you are doing exactly the role that you have in life which is working that you you're actually doing an incredible job it's just such a heavy job it's like having 20 jobs at the same time um because you are carrying all of this ancestral weight on you and that you are trying to um you know kind of make whole again and and let go uh, so that you actually liberate the next generations from the imprint 
that has been passed on from you know the, these generations. And so you're you're doing that job at the same time you have your day job, and then maybe you have another one, and maybe you have a family, and and then you're like, well, yeah, but you're you know you're depressed and uh, you're not doing enough, and then and then people even are judging you, saying you are not handling your life well. Um, but you know that when you see the full thing of what's going on, maybe you're saying, oh my God, like how are you managing to sustain this? And there's kind of no recognition of, you know, there's kind of a belief, deep belief of wrong, uh, that life goes wrong in that system instead of that maybe, and this is one of the things that for me I learned that was so helpful from the Shipibo system. They talk about pruebas. So kind of a way to think about it, um, say your energetic body has blockages, you know, energetic blockages because there's there's fractures, you know, there, and so when there's a fracture, the energy can't flow through. That materializes in your body, and so kind of the alignment, the disalignment of your energetic body now is materialized in your physical body. So your physical body is disaligned. There's fractures, and so the live energy doesn't flow well through it, and that's what creates physical problems. But then the other thing which happens is the way you relate to the world, because your worldview, your ontology is kind of written in your energetic body, uh, which is kind of connected to the, the mind, you know, it, it's kind of in that realm. Then your the world you create that you're a source of uh, is going to be disaligned. So you're going to struggle. Things just don't flow, you know, th that feeling when things are really difficult and they don't flow. So there's a disalignment in inside in your in your body, your first territory, um, you know, kind of, you, and then your physical body, and then in your family, and then in your, um, you know, in kind of the world around you, as well as in your ancestry. You know, that that's really where it comes from. That's the taproot. Um, and so what then the healers do is through the the ikaros they're scanning. It's really kind of the plans, the master plans, doing it through them to find kind of these blockages but they can only see the surface and then it kind of it's kind of like opening the you know the surface but you don't know what's inside and you don't know where the the roots are leading but they're leading all the way to the ancestry so there's kind of a process of midwiving the healing where you kind of go layer by layer and you know you take out some but not too much because if not it would be really unhandleable and you know you would get crazy and then when when your energetic body gets cleared, part of it, then you realign. It's like, okay, there's now space here, you realign, and then energy flows again. After that, there's a whole time that it takes to have your physical body realigned with your energetic body, but also your environment, the, the way your relationships need to realign with this new alignment. And, and that's done through pruebas, tests. Um, you know, because if you just only have an experience, then it's just an experience. You might have some new insights, but then, you know, people, you know, this is when you kind of fall back into old patterns. Um, you know, but when kind of this is done in a, in a deep surgical way and, you know, from the beginning to the end, you know, fully there's the alignment, there's a the protection, and then you kind of go in the world, you will, probas will come up, tests will come up in life that are going to challenge the pieces that you have inside to, you know, kind of for this alignment process to evolve so that you make new decisions, you handle with them in a new way, kind of what you have learned, what your new energetic body, your your ontology is capable of, 
you know kind of are are you know living out in the world and it it starts to change your relationship what you have built so to me this feel in this process like sometimes i look back at icers and i thought well, this is the old me with the old thinking and the old understanding of of life that is created that and it's it doesn't feel aligned anymore so during the pandemic we went through a whole realignment process Uh, you know i started to see you know new possibilities and and misguided analysis of what needed to be done in my strategic thinking before and that, and and that's really why deep healing is very hard because everything starts to shift and you need to hold it um you know so and it takes time so i've gone now through like a four year process like that um and what what i've come to understand just now a few months ago Uh, when i got to the taproot of this whole ans- ancestral lineage that it all comes from the fear of uh, wrong and the fear of death um this kind of the fear that life is wrong uh, and so that we cannot trust life and so when you have systems built and and what we do then is when life is wrong when when life you know we look at our past it didn't go the way it was supposed to be here we are you know we can't accept what's going on right now because it's really there's so much suffering going on um you know then we want to change that uh, because you know but we want instead we may, maybe need to change our way of thinking about our ontology it's an ontological crisis we're in um you know and the the judgment is really at the core of everything i mean look at the drug policy si- system it judges people you know it's like um, i mean ayahuasca people you know practitioners in jail right now um because they think they are wrong they are the ones that are causing the crisis that we're in right now and then it's really becomes about controlling life if you don't trust life because life has gone wrong you want to control it and that's what very much of our you know i our biomedical system is about is controlling symptoms um but that's not healing um you know that's that's controlling disease that's what i'm saying it's more like it's in the realm of sick care um instead of um kind of knowing on how to sustain a process where these symptoms can be resolved untangled is the untanglement of uh you know kind of knots in our ontology you know th- these are kind of what i now see as the the root of of disease um, but they have a purpose they're they're not something wrong they have a purpose we just think they're wrong um and that we need to you know control we need to fight it we're in a fight with life we're not in in um you know we're, we're not in um what i say like um you know moment where we say where we allow life you know to go through it and understand what's going on so that we don't resist the process this is the key to go overcoming the pruebas as mo- as the moment you start to fight what's going on that's when the prueba grows and grows and grows until you can do you know fight it anymore uh and then there's kind of a breakthrough and you see how you are actually fighting life and fighting yourself mm. yeah yeah i mean this is super interesting um let let me see if i can um because it's 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 complicated you know yes it, it has to do with the with the how a world view this idea of feeling separate the um, secular materialistic view that that consciousness comes from the brain um this you know materialistic view of the universe like a gigantic clock 
this um, object-subject duality you have been explaining it's difficult to reconcile with the indigenous view of ancestral healing <laughs> in you know in, in the secular materialistic view that consciousness is created by the brain and when the brain dies consciousness dies there is no connection with the ancestry um, and so if our western biomedical model is based on a secular view of the universe it might not work so well um it's complete it's complicated and you know you should write a little book about that mm. but but so um you said that um in the shipibo worldview uh, they don't label these uh, psychological knots or disturbance. They have different words for the energies, for these different energies. Yeah, it's not, they don't pathologize. You know, it's not like this is what you have a label and then there's a manual and then these are the, the drugs or the plants that... They don't pathologize it, but they, uh, but yeah, they have mean, different words. I mean, they have def definitely, uh, in their worldview, there's definitely right and wrong. And, um, you know, the so... Um, you know, kind of there is disease, and and then you know that needs to be healed. That's part of of the way they work. Um, but wh where do they think this, this disease comes from? Well, that, that's the thing. It's it goes all the way back to your ancestry. How many generations down the line? I mean, all the way to the the source of your bloodline. But the, you know, and you know, I've been I've been working with some some different uh, systems and 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 healers, not only Sipibo. Um, you know, but this, so again, I'm talking about my experience of having gone through uh, a family healing process where my whole family got thrown into this. Um, you know, when you get into the ancestral roots, it it rocks the whole system. Um, you know, so but the, you know, we we don't recognize. Like I think one of the things which is really problematic is that we are actually thinking that evidence. Um, is kind of biomed biomedical evidence o only, and then at the top of the hierarchy, and, and with ICS we are doing work at the UN about this. You know, evidence-based policy is only a, based on one type of evidence, and that is, um, you know, in the field of health, it's biomedical evidence, and at the top of the hierarchy there is uh, clinical trials. That's kind of really the only evidence that is taken as valid, you know, the drug development. Um, that, but we, you know, we, when we think about indigenous knowledge, indigenous ancestral knowledge, um, the, the traditional systems, we don't even even recognize it as knowledge systems. You know, and sciences, evidence, it's completely excluded. These are cultural beliefs. You know, spirituality is a is kind of a cultural belief. That's that. So they are not even recognized as, as systems. We only have our system, and our system is only based on an understanding of a physical body. Um, but you know, and and then very much of an individual physical body, not connected to uh, our larger, um, you know, world that we live in and engage with in communities and families to a certain extent. You know, there's kind of epigenetics. Um, but we don't we don't see a, a an energetic body, so we think it's kind of belief, and our diagnoses are only based on that. You know, that's I think where and so 
you have this system these systems that understand the health in a in a very integral way from the ancestry you know energetic body there's you know conversation there with with um you know spiritual uh, leaders or healers yeah. but it's a very complex system yeah. and we want to be a, a movement of healing but we don't even recognize yeah. the these healing systems and uh, ancestral knowledge is really it it holds the memory of of who we are of yeah. life itself because of an ongoing deep relationship with life that is established through an alliance with plants with master plants or or otherwise yeah. uh you know so for me the, you know there's a really an understanding of healing in those systems um that that goes far beyond like symptom reduction it's really understanding the systems and then looking at where they come from the deeper layers of of life uh understanding you know why they are happening and then kind of you know pull it, kind of you weaving things back together yeah. so they become whole again yeah. um and and in that model the environment and the community plays a key role well in the territory and the because territory. Yeah, that yeah. that's why you know the the Shipibo have lost a lot of this connection to territory because yeah. they were very impacted by colonialism. You know, in Colombia, there's a lot of th- that is really, uh, you know, the territory is what holds the knowledge, and so it's all about keeping the territory whole. Yeah. But and so the ontology n- needs to be that we are, we are, you know, that is our body. Yeah. Our territory is our body, literally, you know. It's just manifest and experienced yeah. in different layers. Yeah, um, but the territory is the is the frame for the community. Yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. the body, but but you know, it's it's not just we live on top of it. Yeah, it's who we are. Yeah, yeah. it's who we are. But the, but then there's layers to it, so yeah. they're inseparable. Yeah. And the fact that they are separated, that in itself is a, a is fracture. a symptom yeah. of fracture. Yeah, and then okay, why why did that happen? Yeah, you know. And and then that goes back to ancestry and, yeah. and so forth, no, and, and and kind of forces of life. So that's why you know, and and I think this brings us to like the current moment of what is really happening in the psychedelic space and what do we need to be really mindful of um, is very much that we are not a harming movement, you know, that we actually don't make the problem worse um, because now, you know, the the as I said. Ayahuasca, for example, is the pillar of indigenous spirituality and the defense of the territory. So when we start, you know, manipulating that, when we say, okay, we want that because we need it, and we're gonna now drug develop it, we're gonna biomedicalize it, we're gonna commercialize it, and now it's gonna be all over the news. This is the great psychedelic drug. You know, and then that comes back to the communities, and then you know the the young the young people who are, you know, were told by the elders that you know this is a sentient living being. You need to learn how to be in right relationship with. There's cultural codes on how to do that. It's a long life path of sacrifice to be a service, and then there's kind of this whole other idea coming coming back. It complete. It can you know we can be having unintended consequences of major scale of if we don't behave as a you know as a as a community as a psychedelic community on the communities and and that would be the the antithesis of like what this what this is about it's about a healing movement a movement you know for life at least that's what it is to me 
So we cannot, there's this concept of um, acción sin daño, do no harm, and right relationship. And I think, and this brings me back to my change in when I started was, wow, these substances have this great potential. And, in, and, I, and I still think that, um, you know, and, and the plants have great potential. But it's really about right relationship how can be we be in right relationship with ourselves, with our communities, with our territories, with the other, um, and with these plants? And that is really what this globalization is about to me. And it's it's really, you know, when this encounter of these different worlds creates tensions, that's where we need to pay the attention and say, okay, wait, wait, wait. And there are several conflicts around this, you know, with the decree movement in, in the U.S., and... Uh, you know, there's there's companies now announcing their drug developing, um, you know, plans. That's when you know the right thing to do is say, whoa, whoa okay, okay, we we think we need this and we're gonna make this available to millions of people. Let's wait for a moment. What would be the intended consequence of doing that? If this is about traditional plans, we have to do prior free and informed consent, because we are potentially endangering the survival of the very people understand healing and life at the deep way how, how uh, so for, because of what i i just shared you know the, these are healing systems that understand life but like, why are they endangered if we replicate them in the lab for the west you know this is what i'm saying like you know imagine um you know your grandfather has told you since you were young you know there's this in there's these are we have these allies that are part of our territory of our cultural I- identity of our ancestral knowledge given to us by our territory and there's a way to be in right relationship to that you have to do dietas you have to restrict you know sexual activities certain foods you you know you need to be in isolation for a long time you know this is the way you need to you know heal yourself blah blah Th- this is what you need to to do to be in relationship to this living being which is an ally and a pillar of our way of life and you're learning that you know for generations uh you know that's been the teachings the oral traditions this is how how you are in relationship and then there's there's uh, this big news you know people listen to the because our media arrives yeah. there and yeah. you know and and um. and then it's like hey but wait a minute my you know my grandfather said this but they're saying this is like a like, substance you can give it in the in in the you hospital just it's it's a substance it's not a life you know, and so it's endangering the fact that, the, and then, then the culture, the culture. Yeah, and that's one layer of it. There's a, you know, in the in the the way indigenous people see, there's a spiritual layer to it as well, where there's a disruption of of these these systems, and and that's just one. Then there's the um, the ecological impact. You know, if we're gonna extract the, this, this might turn into a another extractive industry. No, fr- no free, private, informed consent. Uh, you know, so. This is really, I think, like where for me, doing this work, you know, getting really working deeply, you know, through my own healing and my family healing and learning with with these in these different systems, you know, that is really what I've come to see. And at some point, I was like, okay, I want to, we like needs to become our priority to make sure that indigenous peoples and communities have what they need to have their territories protected and repaired and to thrive as a culture because only then only that is a is kind of a you know 
the start of a new of right relationship yeah, yeah, and yeah. and that's when we can say okay we we are somewhat lost uh you know we're in this crisis we don't know what to do technology doesn't seem to get out of it um can you know can you help us lead this you know tell us what to do yeah, yeah you know, like yeah, what yeah. are you seeing you know yeah. but this is not what we're doing at the same you know in the meantime we're we're you know extracting things from there the, you know they're under threat of extermination ma ma many of these these cultures and luckily this is now it seems that it's starting to shift a little uh, with lula in, in brazil uh, in Cong in in colombia there's some hope with petro uh, there was an Arwako woman now part of the UN. You know, th these are the type of leadership positions that spiritual leaders or or uh, rep you know representatives for them um, can can hold. And um, but you know, we uh, we are not asking what should we do. We're gonna say we're gonna do this. Are you on board or not? And if you don't, we're gonna look for the the next one. And that's kind of very much because we just think we have everything that our you know mind and our intelligence really understands things and this has been the biggest gift of this 20-year journey for me was these moments where you look back and you're like fuck uh, what an idiot you know i, I didn't I, I thought i understood everything i was certain I, and actually i uh, now i understand that i didn't have an idea because i couldn't see the deeper layers of our body you know yeah. And and what one of the the peoples that has really fascinated me I, you know i have a relationship i've started a few years ago uh, with a, a spiritual leader, a mama from the Sierra Nevada, from the Arwako people. They're like the, the Chinese medicine practitioners of the world. They see one life and the body is the, mo the, is the mother, is Mother Earth. And, and you know, it's, there's an order to it which is written in nature. Uh, and because we think there's something wrong about life, uh, you know, in, in essence, we can't trust we have taken over control you know we think we know better and we start to build things and you know the development um you know what they're saying is the development has to be the development of the thought to to always you know know how to sustain life because life it evolves so your thought needs to develop that's development it's not kind of building more and more stuff. you know stuff on top that that uh, you know creates a disbalance in the order of life and so um, you know th their their science is really you know tapping into the the consciousness of the big mother kind of the universal yeah, the mind great, the great mind yeah and and you know and then getting so that that their their mind um, becomes an embodiment of that it's 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 embodied knowledge Th this is also the other key piece that i've learned we think of knowledge as something you can get by reading or acquire. Yeah. acquire. This is intellectual knowledge, but ancestral knowledge, or they say sabiduria ancestral, uh, uh, ancestral wisdom, traditional knowledge, is embodied knowledge, and it's really embodying, you know, the the kind of the the information of life itself through plants, through relationship to animals, to uh, the relationship with territories or with the world as a whole. So, so that what is guiding you is life itself, not your mind that thinks it knows better. So it's kind of again the f fracture between our mind and the and the big mind. Uh, you know, makes it that we are um, you know doing stuff that just uh, this this uh, you know creates this balance. 
um, you know, when they are talking about, uh, you know, what needs to be done, you know, Mama told me the droughts come from the fact that we are taking water and that every every element, every animal, everything in, on this world is a point of origin. These are kind of energetic points, like let's say Chinese medicine, there's energetic points and meridians and everything is energetically connected. So they understand all of these connections and so there's points or origin points. And when you take, and it's kind of like every everything that exists is kind of like a, a, a big mother and father or like, a, you know, a dimension that, that kind of creates the creator. And we are taking and taking and taking. Um, the, the company that's putting it in bottles is being paid, but there's no spiritual payment, no reciprocity with the mother and father of the water or whatever, you know, the, the origin point, there's no spiritual payments. And and so at some point it, it disbalances everything so that then, you know, the, it, it dries up and then there's droughts in the, the whole ecosystem. So the, even when we talk about like climate change, they're seeing a layer of it which is very clear. It, it's not like, you know, it's like, okay, we need to do this, we need to go to this point, we need to do that. We need to restore this part of our ecosystem of the Sierra Nevada, of the Linea Negra, which is the energetic points that are connected with the whole world. It's like they're they very clear what needs to happen, but nobody is saying, uh, okay, we're dealing with a climate crisis. Um, you know, let's sit together and, you know, tell us what you're seeing and what are. And this is the problem. This is the, the hegemony the, of, of uh, knowledge. We have the knowledge, and these are all beliefs that just don't make sense because yeah, know. the West, the Western mm. science doesn't believe in this energetic no. point, and uh, is the fracture between spirituality and science, yeah. and and indigenous spirituality is life science. Yeah, period. But so when when you see the um, Nobel Prize from physics in twenty twenty two given to this phenomenon of the quantum entanglement, right? Yeah. On the subatomic level, two particles exactly. at extreme distance behave in a certain way if you look at them in a certain mm -hmm. way. So that's proof that um, there is not something like a local objective reality. Yeah. So maybe that's a step in the right direction. Oh, totally. You know, I don't know if you know Paul Levy uh, and his book, The Wetiko and the Dispelling of Evil. Uh, he's he really got into um, you know quantum physics, and he says it's a bit like the holy grail of the moment, or in like in in our science, uh, it's 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 um, you know breaking through this more um, you know the the paradigm um, dualistic the, the dualistic yeah. paradigm yeah. that we had, um, and it points to you know I think the the way uh, kind of ancestral knowledge. Uh, sees life. Um, he w one of one of the things that he he says, uh, which is fascinating, is the wetiko, the evil. Um, it's a concept that came from a Native American uh, tribe, and they said it's kind of like a mind virus. It's the, the basically says evil doesn't exist; it only exists in the mind. And then, but obviously, our life is the, is a big paradox. So, because it exists in the mind, we are the source of it. And I, I asked uh, the mama at some point, like, what is the source of, of life for you? And he, and he said, our thought. Um, you know, so kind of when we, and it, you know, it brings back to the pruebas. What if everything that happens in the world is 
you know, that is difficult and that we feel should not happen is a prueba. Um, you know, it's it's a test. Um, you know, that is a catalyst for change, for tra- for the evolution of life. That it's all part of the evolution of life. The more you kind of resist, the more you see this as evil. They're attacking me. The more you might become a source of attack and evil. And and maybe we're kind of stuck in a, in this, uh, you know, in in the vetico mind. Um, but so the healing is in a way in the mind, but not in the type of mind that we think of in our system of of mental health. Um, but it's the entanglement of everything. You know, the the fact that everything is integrated. Our ontology, you know, the way we see ourselves, is exactly the same as the way we see the other and the world. Uh, you know, the moment that you tell yourself there's something wrong about me, you you actually say, well, and so that means there is something wrong about life. And then you start looking for who's responsible and what you need to fix and change. It is not separate, you know, but in our healing systems, our medicine systems, they are all separated. So, what you know, in a, over this last year, uh, we came together with, you know, there's uh, with Umiak, uh, you know, River Sticks, Dr. Bronner, the different indigenous organizations, the Indigenous Piedra Conservation Initiative. Kind of all out of all of these relationships, there was um, the need during the pandemic that came up. And these were some spiritual leaders that really asked for this uh, to set up uh, a uh, fund, an indigenous led fund to and be established that um you know so that the, the philanthropy that that kind of the psychedelic space would um you know engage in in support get behind the process of indigenous people uh, not in a classical philanthropy way where it's like indigenous peoples are beneficiaries of support uh no they're actually sitting on the table they're deciding and the processes are led for from that they come from the territories and the communities not not kind of from outside and so uh, this is we've been setting this up um you know in this over this last year uh, and i'm serving also the, currently as the interim co-director until there's indigenous um, direction but it's indigenous led we have indigenous uh, leaders um you know in the decision making positions i'm kind of a more of a facilitator um but that's something that gives me great hope you know this is like really if if we all get that our priority is with all of the capital that's being generated in the psychedelic space you know like imagine that there's large capital going into these communities but in a good way uh, we are saying you know this is for the repair of your nations for you know um, uh, restorative justice for biocultural conservation on your terms the way you see is needed led by spiritual leaders you know, and we don't want anything in return for it. We do it because we know this is what we need to do if we are a healing movement. Um, what is going to come out of out of that is is really, you know, that that is for me really the the revolution in mental health that we're looking for because that is what's going to f- allow for right relationship. So it's a vehicle for right relationships. It's more than f- you know funding funding from one side to the other, but it's it's kind of then you know. It's it's really um, you know opening people's minds as well to uh, some of you know the 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 perspectives that we need to have if we really want to be a healing movement and 
and you know facilitating right relationship but under the indigenous leadership so it's a it's a bit there's now kind of it seems like there's a movement starting in philanthropy of indigenous led funds and this is what we're figuring out uh, you know and that's that's fascinating um, but that, but that's really and then how do we behave in right relationship for for the industry you know what is that going to look like that's something to figure out now not not when it's all all done um so that that's very much of my focus right now uh, a lot of my time goes goes to that as well and hoping we can fully establish over the next year amazing amazing no i totally understand the importance of that it's like the feed, the fda should you know when 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 it gives license to for a substance with a cultural background to become a medicine like a certain percentage of the profit should yeah. go should go back to to um, you know as a cultural restoration yeah and then you know like we want so this is the right relationship means informed consent with everything that has to do with their medicines uh you know but then also like for example psilocybin uh was you know this is already was it 60 years ago that this was kind of extracted out of the communities in mexico now it's a multi-billion dollar industry or, or you know already it's kind of happening um you know so kind of that extraction happened 60 years ago so then it's like okay but we're going to do benefit sharing you know because that that happened without any informed consent that we are now are going to benefit um, economically about it like we cannot you know say what you know how, like the, these people are are poor their community they're still their territories invaded like that cannot happen if we don't deal with that if if that's not our priority then like how can we say we're a healing movement well a healing movement for some people you know yeah, that, for a and specific that's, symptom that's for and uh, yeah and that's that's colonialism uh, yeah. st- fully in action uh you know so we're we're kind of working to make people aware and and but also like there's many people i think who say okay we want to you know in, engage and do benefit sharing do reparation but how do we do that in a way that doesn't further disrupt no so this is kind of the infrastructure that we are building to allow for that to happen and and in the process then the relationships are going to be established are you know it's what i think is going to lead us to the next milestone in the psychedelic renaissance which is understanding that maybe it's not the renaissance of the psychedelics but really the the renaissance of our way of life uh and that that only can come when we truly come together for knowledges to come together and where ancestral knowledge leads technology and modern uh, kind of knowledge because that's really how it becomes rooted in in life in the order of life instead of disrupting it you know that's really what i see um you know is the next like we we cannot say our this milestone is our end point we've done it you know let's now think always about what's the next substance we're gonna drug develop no we need to think about uh, what is really what we have signed up for yeah amazing yeah. Amazing, thank you so much. Uh, you know, one thing that comes to mind is um, recently there was. Um, have you f- are you familiar with the Harvard uh, Wellbeing Experiment? It's the longest experiment on happiness. It started in uh, 1938, and now there's like this is the fourth generation of Harvard doctor that's been following this. Uh, at the beginning, there were like 400 people. Now there's becoming 3,000 with all the son and grandson and. And now the fourth generation doctor who's following this study has been on both Sam Harris and Chris Williamson podcast. And at the end, out of 
hundred years old Sumo study, the one thing that has consistently been associated with happiness is the quality of your relationship. Yeah. Is, you know, to what extent you are, are connected with other. Yeah. And so, I mean, we know that. We know that this indigenous understanding of the territory and, and community has been part of who we are, has been um, eroded by the, the, you know, radical individualism yeah. where, you know, you go through life with the guard up and, and, and always scared that, you know, living in a, you know, with the fear of, of, of scarcity. Yeah. You know, this is also, uh, you know, maybe like in terms of risk factors for people who are uh, going to have a psychedelic experience, those who are very disintegrated from social relations, I think have the, have the highest chance to, you know, afterwards be in a, in a very difficult place and don't know what to do. Um, yeah, and, you know, I think it's totally right. I would, I would add, you know, it's from kind of uh, more what I've learned it's about relationship with others, but it's really also about the relationship with the territory uh, and, and life itself. Because happiness, that's what, the way I understand it, is not about being in the state of bliss the whole time. It's about no matter what happens, to always um, you know, be able to f find meaning in, in life. That, that it's not what was not supposed to happen and then start fighting it and and you know and, and judge life in yourself and others and so forth know that you can deal with it in a way which it doesn't break down the meaning of life um you know in, and and that's that's i think what really happiness is about it's about navigating you know life um it's holding life sacred no matter what happens and that's very difficult to do you know if you suffer um, I can only imagine, you know, some of the suffering that's that's going on right now. Um, yeah. Amazing, mm. amazing, amazing. We've been a bit um, longer than usual, but this, <laughs> this has been a very, very interesting and very important conversation. Yeah. And um, so for people that want to help you, I mean, I'm sure many people would resonate in trying to help the indigenous tribe um, that brought this knowledge that you know we're not recognizing. So you mentioned okay. First of all, if people wants to help, what should they do? First, I see years. <laughs> well, if, like if you want to, you know, help indigenous people get what they they need, you know, it's the IMC fund, the Indigenous Medicine Conservation Fund, is you know where it's happening, and you know we are we are investing our time and uh, collaboration. This was really built on you know years of relationship building. What's uh, the website of that? We it's uh, imc.fund, uh, so people can uh, go there. Uh, and then, um, you know, you know iSeries has been an organization engaging with the challenge of this globalization and wanting to move forward. It's very much of service of the, the community of plant medicine trying to self-regulate, self change policies, work at the UN. That's kind of the type of organization that iSeries is. It's, you know, it's really trying to be in this place in between all of these systems and kind of, you know, make sense of them and, and look at how can we move forward uh, in, a, in a good way. Um, you know, we, we need support for that work. Um, ICRS.org is our website. Uh, so that, that's kind of how people can support um, uh, our, our work at ICRS as well. 
Amazing. Thank you so much, uh, Benjamin. Um, you know, I, I know you for so many years now, and I must admit, I'm really impressed by your constant evolution and your deep interest in understanding, you know, this culture and this medicine. And, and it seems that, you know, you really have now put the finger on something really important, which can be you know, really life-changing in, 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 in understanding our reality and our space in it, you know. So mm. thank you. And uh, we'd love to invite you another time to, to come and uh, come and confess, <laughs> <laughs> confess with us your psychedelic experience. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we're going to do that soon. Thank yeah, you very right. much. Thank you so much. Coca sonara sonara yente 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 Coca sonara sonara yente